This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to a Blood Red podcast special on three players that Liverpool could look to sign in the summer to advance their forward line for Jurgen Klopp. Very shortly, I'll be speaking to Leipzig reporter and former teammate of Jurgen Klopp at Mainz, Guido Schaefer, about the incredibly exciting Christopher Nkunku. I've also got the other Bundesliga podcast, Tom Midler, to speak about Karim Adeyemi at Red Bull Salzburg, with the Reds, Borussia Dortmund and more all said to be sniffing around him. But first, as you'll be able to see if you are watching along on YouTube, I've got journalist Paul Chapman on the line from Canada to speak about Jonathan David, who is, of course, currently in France with Lille. Paul, thank you very much for for joining me. Is Jonathan David a name, do you think, that should excite Liverpool fans? Well, I mean, that's the, uh, what what do you want to put a a tag on it, Matt? Is that your £30 million question? I, I think it's... There's a certain segment when you say Liverpool fans, you you know you're a journalist like me. You see the just the absolute breadth of the spectrum in terms of how people are, and there there is a segment of the fan, the supporter group that won't be happy unless it's a Kylian Mbappe or an Erling Holland. And I think you have to understand Jurgen Klopp and Michael Edwards, or you know certainly Julian Ward moving forward, what their targets are. And the FSG model is not to go out like Real Madrid and, and spend a ton of money on it. So what does Jonathan David represent? Well, he represents potential and he represents a proven track record where he's been getting better and better every year, probably at a better price point than you would think. But, you know, I think if we look at the market, Dusan Vlahovic just, you know, moved for an insane amount of money. And this time last year, he was talking to a young player with decent numbers, and he was being talked about as a guy who might be on Liverpool's radar. So, you know, I've been looking, I've been following David, obviously, because he's Canadian. Um, And, you know, the link started with Liverpool a couple of years ago. But now, if you search on social media, Jonathan David, all you see are Chelsea and Arsenal links. I mean, Arsenal fans are absolutely convinced they're going to get him. So... You know, should he excite them? Yeah, I think when you look at uh, Diogo Jota type signing, very, or uh, signing very similar, um, not necessarily in the style of play, but under the radar, not the top name, uh, whatever fee if they were to get him, people were to decide on, they might think it's too much. But I think if Jurgen Klopp wants this player, and certainly he has the raw skills that you think he could mold, then yeah, that you should be excited at the prospect of a of a striker in that age group with those core skills in terms of where they could end up. I think a little bit like um, like Diogo Jota in, in terms of the kind of, of positions that he can play. He can play in, in all three roles, but would it be fair to say he's sort of become a bit more of a, a central striker in recent times? It, that, that's kind of what it seems to me without having seen a lot of him. He, yeah, absolutely he is. I, I would say this, I mean, certainly the role he plays for Lille has been almost as a secondary striker, playing a little bit behind the front man, but that's in a two. Uh, I think if you look at how Liverpool would employ him, he has the speed to play in all those three positions. The one thing that I would question is he hasn't been so much of a link-up man. He's more uh, someone who will find space when his strike partner has pulled up space op- uh, or opened up some space for him. And he'll be that guy who finds that extra yard or two of space. And then if he the ball happens to come to him, he doesn't score what I would call beautiful goals. He's not going to be a Mohamed Salah. I mean, who is? But you're not going to see a highlight of him sitting down three defenders, going through five guys, blasting it into the far corner. I think he's more a player who, it would, almost like Jada, exactly, that would find space 
be there. And even though he's not big, he is pretty good in the air. When you look at how he plays for Canada, maybe a little more concern there. He's been the central guy. And if you look at his goal scoring record, he's kind of loaded up on teams like Suriname and hasn't really scored. I mean, CONCACAF's a got to be honest in brutal region but he hasn't scored necessarily against the big boys in uh in teams like the u.s or mexico um but he's a very productive player and as someone is you know you may see the pictures behind me i got a an old there we go bill shankley autograph i got in 1974 at woolworth's before my family moved to canada um you know i know what the liverpool expectations are i know the relationship the fans have with their players. And I think if you look at where he is and what he could be, you just have to trust the brain trust with him. My, my questions about David going forward will be what's the price going to be. And will Liverpool reach that limit where they're like, Nope, doesn't work for us and move on to the next target. You mentioned before that the sort of interest from Arsenal and, and one or two others. I mean, does it feel like the right time for, for Jonathan David to move on this coming summer? Or do you think there's a chance that he might stay another year at Lille and continue that development? I think that would be a mistake. And I think you have to um I think you have to really understand the place with the national team to sort of feel how that would be a fit from going forward. Now I have to admit, I don't know the man well. I don't, you know, I, I can't get inside his head. With a lot of players, it may just purely come down to money. And, um, you know, what are his wages going to be? But Canada has made the World Cup once. <laughs> and that was in 1986 in Mexico. And famously, they didn't even score a goal. While Canada finally, they're in first place in CONCACAF qualifying. They're, they haven't qualified yet. But uh, they are in first place in the group. They're ahead of Mexico. They're ahead who they who they have beaten. They are ahead of the U.S. Um, and obviously, the World Cup is next year. So you've got to look at his standing and and what he wants, like what he wants to achieve, and where he wants to play. And again, money is important. But if he's looking at getting playing time, would you be guaranteed that at Chelsea? Well, no. You know, you're not guaranteed that at Liverpool. But at the same time, the track record for young players who come in, good signings, yes, you might have to be patient like an Andy Robertson, like a Fabinho and wait for your, you know, not be a, an instant starter on day one. But I think the track record for and uh, how Klopp has used young players and used signings is you get in the team, you'll play. And so if he is looking forward to the World Cup, uh, you know, this is, it, it, it's, it, it's, the country will go nuts when Canada finally qualifies, and he recognizes that. So I, I think if he looks for a personal fit, Liverpool would be better than some of those others. Do you want to play in the Champions League? I mean, I know he can achieve that with Lil. He's not going to achieve it at Arsenal. Uh, sorry to Guy, Guy Clark there. Um, but, you know, he can uh, play at the highest level, compete for trophies, be on like a massive stage, and really hone his game under a great coach if he wants to get into, or great manager, as you would say, um, you know, headed into the World Cup. So personally, I think it's a great fit. I think uh, it's not a guaranteed success, uh, but I like Klopp's track record. I like the way Liverpool have recruited. I like the other players around them. I also have to say, Matt, I really like his age too. One of my biggest concerns with Liverpool as a fan is... You know, we all know about Mohamed Salah's contract, but, you know, Firmino, Mane, same position, same age. Yes, we, there's Harvey Elliott there. He's been shifted a little bit more into a midfield role. Uh, Origi, Minamino, futures up in the air. Cade Gordon, very, very young. So I think getting a player in that 21, 22, 23 age range 
really suits where this team is right now. You know, COVID may have changed their grand scheme in terms of how they have their transfer plans and where they want to move in terms of uh, acquiring talent, but he kind of ticks all the boxes. So if they can agree on a price, I think it would be a very good fit, both for him and for the club. In terms of the price, it's kind of been said that it would be 30, 35 million. That seems to, to be what's coming from France anyway, which does seem a, a pretty Liverpool deal, doesn't it? It does feel like if they are going to sign someone, it, it is going to be in that price sort of range. Is, is he worth that, do you think? Is that about right for him at the moment? <laughs> Did we think Diogo Jato was worth 41? I will admit, I, at that time, I you know, I thought that's too much money. And now you look at even how the market has moved forward and you see, it, it's funny, the age seems to torque the price more than the potential in many ways. You know, if you're going to pay for a player like a Tiago, who is world-class, going to come in and help you compete right away, um, you know, you accept that it's a bit of a lower price. The FSG model is certainly you at least want the option to sell on. Uh, so I I think that's a fair price. I absolutely do when I look at the money that, that other players are going for. And I'll also say this. I do think that being from Canada um drags the price down a little bit I, I you know we're just not known as a football nation um now obviously Alfonso Davies who was linked with Liverpool at the time uh Bayern got him for a, literally a song I mean they got him for I think if the the conversion is right for around eight nine million pounds and now what could you sell Alfonso Davies for so you know I think David obviously plays a different position, but he's a similar player, a little bit older, obviously, but it's in that same mold. I think people look at it and say, you know, if this, if the same player had the same skills, but he was Brazilian and he just went by Jonathan, uh, he'd probably be commanding a figure upwards of 60. So, you know, I think when you look at the, the numbers that have been kicked around, I mean, my Lord, you only just have to look at Everton's transfer sheet and you'd say, yeah, 30 million pounds, that's more than fair. And just to, to finish off then, in terms of him being from Canada, being from North America, how important or, or how much of a difference do you think it would make in terms of sort of off the pitch? Obviously, Liverpool is is big in that part of, of the world. Do you think that would come into it at all? Would that be another sort of bonus to the transfer, if you like, if, if Liverpool Ab- were to go for him? Absolutely. I can tell you as, you know, I'm obviously a fair bit older than you, but uh, I can tell you uh, after we moved from Liverpool to Canada, we had season tickets to the Vancouver Whitecaps. And, you know, the the NASL had been more of a retirement league and the Whitecaps were a bit different. And they had Bruce Grobelar and they had Peter Beardsley here before they moved to Liverpool. So there's an element to um, the name and the club in this country that does appeal to people. And David, that's, you know, it's a very astute point from you because David, uh, born in Brooklyn to Haitian parents, moved to Haiti, then moved to Ottawa when he was, I believe, eight or nine. He never wanted any part of North American football. He wanted to go to Europe. He was a European fan. He recognized that the Champions League, that the, you know, the Premier League, the Bundesliga, whatever it was, that that's where he wanted to play. That's where he wanted to make his name. That's been his dream along with making the World Cup. So, you know, he has a chance to achieve both of those. But ever since he was a child and was excelling in the in the European or sorry, in the in the Canadian youth leagues, his focus has been on playing in Europe. And if you're if your eyes are on Europe, Matt, what better place to be than a Liverpool? Because you've got the European pedigree. It's the big league. The money is there. The stage is there. The audience is there. So I do think that that fits in. Uh, it, it, it all fits well. Now, whether, you know, again, the finances can be agreed, that's what it comes down to. But to me, it looks like there's a very good chance of this happening. 
Yeah, it certainly makes a, a lot of sense. And of course, he was on Liverpool's list when they signed Diogo Jota a couple of years back. So certainly one they have been keeping an eye out for. Paul, thank you very much for your time and, and your insight. Really interesting stuff. Anytime, Matt. I'm a big fan of all your podcasts. I've said it. I, I, I you know, I've, I've let you know I walk my dog and I listen to them all, even doily. Uh, I will give you one little bit of information. I do know about David, though. I talked to some people in his camp. He starts every day off with a big bowl of bran flakes. And that is uh, as good a place as any to, to finish off. Paul, thank you very much. All right. Have a great day. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm joined next by RB Leipzig reporter Guido Schaefer to talk about Christopher Nkunku, who has scored 17 times this season and assisted another 13 in Germany. Guido, it's good to speak to you again. We've spoken about plenty of players in the past, but never about Christopher Nkunku. How good a season is he having this season? Now, uh, Christopher Nkunku, I, I don't know if I understand you right. Christopher Nkunku, is, for me, is the best player in this moment in the Bundesliga. Um, he's famous. He's, uh, he's so skillful, and uh, I think he's a quite perfect package now. And you ask me for Liverpool or for Chelsea or for, for which team? Menu? Yeah, yeah, for Liverpool. For Liverpool. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, he's. A, I think he's a perfect player for for Jurgen Klopp, and uh, I, I'm sure he's also on on the list of many big clubs, and uh, for sure also Liverpool. And I think Manchester United think about him. I think it's not. I, I love him. I love Christopher Nkunku, not because only because of his skills. Uh, he's fast. He's technical. Perfect. And. Um, uh, and he has a, a good brain, but also his character. And since he's a young father, I think his life is complete. And therefore, he can he can bring very good performance on the field, on the pitch. How would you describe how he plays? What what kind of footballer is he when he, he's on the pitch for Leipzig? I think he's a, a little bit like Sadio Mane, and also a little bit uh, uh, like Nabi Keita. Um, I told you he's technical, very, very perfect with the left foot, with the right foot, also able to make a header. And um, uh, his technique is, is, is brilliant. It's, is brilliant as, and as also he's a tough player and a great adventure. Uh, adventure from, um, from Christo and Kungu is he's never injured, never. He plays uh, every match and he's, every match he's fit and Yes, I think uh, if uh, Liverpool have the choice to to get him, they they have to they have to do it, for sure. What would you say is his best position? Does he play through the middle? Does he play on one of the wings? Where does he tend to play, and, and where is he best? He can he can play every position in the in the offense. He play also as 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 a forward in 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 Leipzig and as an offense mid midfield player. And uh, I think his best performances. Uh, is for for him when when he is able to make like a, like a, a free spirit in the, in the on the pitch and in Leipzig he is a, a free spirit. I, I'm not sure that it's possible in the in the Premier League to make this for him. But uh, when you have a, a, a kind of a style of, of a free spirit of a of a man who can make whatever he wants, then he's very very dangerous, very very skillful, and I think he's the right man for the Premier League. Yes. Yeah, you, you say he's the, the right man for the Premier League. Is he kind of a, a strong physical player? Do you think he'd, he'd be able to, to come across in, in that kind of way physically? Would he, be, would he be ready to play in England? 
I think so. Yes, yes. He's only I think sixty-five kilos. It's not it's not so heavyweight a man, but he's uh, a good muscles, a very very athletic man, and um, he's also very intelligent in the uh, in the you know when they, when it's go in the in the in the hard tackle when the opponent come with a hard tackle, he see this and he make a little bit a jump, and uh, therefore also he's never injured. I think he's physically also able to play there. Yeah, definitely. He's been good in the, the Champions League as well. We've seen him against, yes. obviously, Manchester City and, and PSG. Did he yeah. Did he stand out in, in those matches as well? Pardon me? Did he stand out? Was he, was he a good performer in, in the Champions League as well this season? Yes, 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 yes. Uh, he was, I think he was the best player in, in this season. He is the best player and he's playing his best season in, in his career. And uh, he makes... He made the difference in the matches also, and especially uh, in the in the uh, Champions League matches against Paris, against Manchester City, and uh, I think also Pep Guardiola uh, saw him, and I, I think he also fall in love with with uh, Nkungu. And uh, in my opinion, he's able to play in every team in this world, and he's able to make every team better. But he's expensive. He has no exit clause in his contract. And uh, the contract uh, will end in summer 2024. Good contract for Leipzig. Do you know roughly how much Leipzig would want? Or is there no fee? They just want as many teams to come for him as possible so the price can go up. I think, yeah, the Leipzig uh, want want to to work with him uh, till the end of of this life. Uh, he's, He's so important. And uh, I think without Nkungu, uh, I think they play in the in the Bundesliga on the, on the in the end of the bottom on the bottom of the uh, ranking. Uh, he's so important. He's the most important player for Leipzig. But I think it's also logical for for Nkungu to make the next step in his career after three uh, brilliant years in in Leipzig. And uh, I think when Kloppo or Tuchel or Pep Guardiola when they say okay, fifty thousand million. Uh, euros or 60 million uh, euros, millions, 60 million uh, euros, I think it's 65 million pounds, I don't know, then it's possible that Erbe Leipzig say, okay, Christo, thank you for your work, thank you for your love, and now you're, it's okay, you can go, you make your next step, and uh, all of them are happy then. Just to, to finish then, is this season his his best season? Have you yes. have you seen a lot more from him? What what's the difference between before this season and, and then this season? What is it that's changed for him? He's so he's so self confident player, and uh, the, the 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 greatest problem for the opponents is that when you when you play a, a, against Christo and Kungu, you don't know what he's doing in the next situation, and he knows it's also not. <laughs> that is very very difficult to play against such players and think quite like a little bit like like Sadio Mane when you go in in the dribbling and uh, very very good very good and uh, I'm I to say he's he's quite perfect he's a quite perfect player and also in the brain very clear he don't drives five of six cars only one car and no Rolex no Rolex watch no <laughs> he's not like me. 
<laughs> yes, no, he's uh, certainly a, a, a big player to, to watch out for, I think, in the yes. future. It'll certainly certainly be interesting to see where he ends up and, and if it is Liverpool. But Guido, thank you very much for, for joining me. Really Welcome. appreciate it again. Welcome, all the best. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. And I'm joined last but not least by Tom Midler from the other Bundesliga podcast to chat about Karim Adeyemi, who is, of course, at Red Bull Salzburg, a club that Liverpool have taken a look at plenty of times in the past. Tom, welcome back to the show. We've spoken at least once before about Karim Adeyemi earlier this season. We're a little bit further along the line during the campaign now, though. So how is his season shaping up? Is he still impressing you as much as what he was the last time we spoke? Yeah, so first of all, thanks for having me back on. Uh, it was nice to chat with you a little while back and look at Adi Amy, who is uh, just coming into, well, he's been having a very good season. That is still the case. He's on 14 goals, uh, bagged a hat-trick in uh, December as well in the league. I think it was his first ever uh, top-flight you know, professional hat-trick, actually. Um, all the goals sort of knocked in from in and around the six-yard box. So he showed a bit of a goal-poacher's side to himself, which... He's displayed uh, from time to time, but it's not really the first thing you'd uh, you'd say about Karim Adeyemi. So that was another little uh, bonus for him. And it got him through after what had been a bit of a tough patch without scoring. It was only a few games, really. But when you're playing at Red Bull Salzburg and you're the, the main striker, you pretty much expect to score all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for, for those who've maybe forgotten or not listened to, to the previous shows that we've done together. What would you sort of say is his typical playing style? What what kind of forward is he? Well, the first thing you notice about him is his lightning pace. You know, you can say that about quite a few players, but Adeyemi is exceptionally fast. And we've seen it time and time again in the Austrian Bundesliga. But now also in the Champions League, he just can absolutely outstrip defenders. And, um, you know, Salzburg play very direct, very true, uh, uh, very... Yeah, quick transitional play, basically. They look to, to win the ball back and, and just go forward with it. And having a striker, like they did in Dakar last season and now with, with Adeyemi for the last couple of years, uh, who can chase and, and get onto the end of those, that, that's a real benefit for, for any team who try to play this sort of very modern style of uh, direct attacking football. But he's got a bit more to him than that because he's actually a winger by trade as well. So he can play on any uh, any of the front three, sort of traditional front three positions, which makes him the hot property that he is at the moment, the uh, most valuable player in, in Austria, for sure, the most valuable player at Salzburg. And, you know, when he's he's got the skills to play on the wing, he's got the skills on the ball to play on the wing. He's got the skills in the centre to be a direct threat as a centre forward. But um, he's he's picking up that, that vision, that awareness as well of uh, knowing how to be in the right place at the right time. So uh, a very dangerous all-round weapon anywhere in the front three. And in terms of his, his sort of game, then you, you mentioned that he's he's quite fast. He's good on the the transition in terms of of the counter attack and and that kind of thing. Is he sort of involved in in the build up play as well, or is he very much a player who's the the final touch to a move? Well, I think he doesn't really he doesn't drop back in the sense of of trying to win the balls as much as uh, some players do. I mean, there was a, I, I suppose, a Liverpool comparison last time was with Firmino and, and the way that Firmino can can drop in and uh, and sort of give another outlet. He does that to some extent, but it's not really a speciality of his game. Um, he, he brings those other skills in the fact that, as I mentioned before, he's just as good as a centre forward, as a player who's willing to take people on. Um, a weakness of his has often been 
said that his uh, assist statistics are not as good perhaps as, as they might be for somebody who plays so many minutes up front and, and gets so many goals. He seems to struggle a little bit with uh, creating for, for teammates. But I think that's a, a bit of a statistical quirk, which is probably going to work itself out as his career progresses. But um, you don't really see him so involved. But then when you look at Salzburg, the type of build-up play that they have, it's also about it's things that, that you really need uh, professional analysts to, to know how it's working because these things uh, are done a little bit differently at Salzburg. It's more about positioning relative to players and perhaps even without being involved uh, on the ball or, or in the passing lanes, you can still be involved in making the system work. And I'm sure Adiemi, like everybody else who's flourishing at Red Bull, is uh, very much playing, you know, doing what he's told to and, and playing the systems that he's told to. So his positional play might be more important than it sometimes looks as well. Yeah, I think that's really important as, as well for Liverpool. Obviously, a similar system, similarly complicated to, to get your head around it when you watch it. I mean, if Liverpool were to sort of go in for him and, and firm up this interest that they supposedly have in him, do you think he'd be a, a player that naturally would suit at Liverpool because not just of, of the Red Bull links, but also the kind of intelligence, I suppose, as, as a footballer that you seem to, to be describing there? I do think so. Yeah, that intelligence is something that people have really noticed. You know, he's he's openly been working very hard on that you know since he was a, a a very young player he's only 20 now just turned 20 last week but um ever since he was in his sort of mid-teens he's been really working on that side of things and and trying to make sure that it's not just pace and, and skills on the ball but also it's you know uh, smart thinking in terms of how to use that the most effectively and i think naturally the the reason that there were links with liverpool are because he does seem to be the kind of player who would fit really nicely um in, in a jürgen klopp side and certainly the way liverpool are playing at the moment he's i think he's got a lot of the qualities that could make him a very good player the the only question mark i'd say in that regard is that the step up from the Austrian Bundesliga to the Premier League is undoubtedly a massive one and jumping not just to the Premier League, but immediately up to, to Liverpool, you know, going for the title, high, high ambitions. If a player like Adeyemi is going to be the, the talent that, that he wants to be and that people want him to become, he's going to need to be a, a big feature in, this, in the team that he moves to. And uh, whether he can make the jump and become a starter in that Liverpool front three, he's got the right fit for it if it was a game of FIFA you wouldn't hesitate to stick him in there but I'm not sure in the in the you know the the real ins and outs of the Premier League it would be something that that we'd see for the next maybe one or two years and and perhaps that makes Liverpool a little bit less of an appealing destination for him despite uh, how, how well he would seem to fit in the sort of jigsaw puzzle of things. Yeah, you, you mentioned Patson Dacca before, obviously he's moved to, to Leicester in the summer and has done pretty well really in terms of, of adapting as his goal rate is, is really, really good. He's starting to play a little bit more regularly, having possibly come off the bench a little bit more earlier in the season. I mean, how much do you think that will, will impact how people view the Austrian Bundesliga in terms of you know clubs like Liverpool and, and other teams around Europe as well can kind of look at, at him as an example and say, well, he's done it, maybe others can make that step up from, from Austria straight to the Premier League and, and maybe it's not quite as impossible as you might have thought at, at one stage in the past. It's a really good question, actually. And, and I think these kind of pathways do actually really help. I think they not only give fans the belief that it is possible, they also give the players themselves the belief. You know, the pathway's already been trodden. 
the Premier League, you know, he knows exactly how he stacks up against Patson Dacker. He's played with him in training for, for season after season. He knows exactly what his relative skills are. And if he can look at what Patson Dacker is doing in the Premier League, he must be thinking, hey, I fancy a bit of that for myself. So I'm, I'm sure if Patson can do it at Leicester, then, then I'm capable of doing it in the Premier League too. So I think these things can play quite a big role, actually. I can't say that they always do, but there's definitely potential for it to, to be quite a big a big factor. It's, you know, it changes a, a complete unknown into something where there's actually quite a lot of statistics and also personal connections. And for these players, that's that's very, very important. So it is a helpful factor. I think it's still difficult, though. You know, if you look at Minamino as another example, I think Minamino at Liverpool is actually pretty much doing what Liverpool probably expected him to do. And maybe even what Takumi Minamino expected. It's probably going about according to plan when you look at the, the value of the transfer and, and uh, where he fits into that Liverpool side. The problem is maybe with the expectations of the fans sometimes, we get very excited whenever anybody buys anybody and you expect, you know, if that player is not then immediately or, or very soon after a part of the first team, then somehow it's a bit of a, a failure. So I'm not sure how Liverpool fans view Minamino exactly now, but I'd say... You know, he's he's pretty much on track where he's supposed to be, but it does show that there's two different ways. You know, you, not everybody can go to the Premier League and, and slot in straight away, although, you know, albeit Minamino and, and Adeyemi are, are different players in, in a lot of regards anyway. Yeah, a much younger player as well, someone that, that Liverpool could potentially mould into the, the future if they did go for him. But I know there's there's a lot of other clubs who are interested as well. I know Bayern Munich have been linked at, at one stage, Borussia Dortmund as well, Sky Germany, I think. The last few days, as as we record this, reporting that Borussia Dortmund might make a, an offer for him. I mean, to me, it seems like Dortmund are the, the most likely destination for him. It, it seems like a sensible move to, to go back to Germany, to go to a team where it will be a case of allowing him to develop. Is that one that, that you think is, is the most likely case for, for this player? I do. I mean, there's been a bit of an interesting sort of journey in this. Bayern Munich seemed like the early destination going back to the club where he played as a, as a real youngster in his youth days. Um, going back to Germany in general is, is always a very uh, attractive proposition for players in Austria, just given the language and uh, the, the you know, geographical element. But especially between Salzburg and Bayern Munich, you know, a lot of people don't know it. It's literally just over the border. It's a very, very short hop. The two cities are very, very well connected. So in terms of you know, family, friends, social life, uh, Bayern seemed like a great early option, especially given his history there. But then uh, RB Leipzig is always a big player when it comes to uh, Salzburg players. There's no, no doubt about that. You know, the, whatever the club say about the connections and however official, you know, officially they might have cut some of these Red Bull connections between RB Leipzig and Red Bull Salzburg. There's still obviously a very, very clear link in their transfer dealings. So I think a lot of people early on sort of just shrugged their shoulders and said, yeah, he'll go, he'll go to Leipzig. But um, at the moment, it does look like Dortmund is the most likely of the three as you said sky germany have uh, stated uh, as of late january 2022 that he is already in talks that the clubs are perhaps already um, in agreement with with everything and that the last thing to be negotiated would then just be the fee you know as in the the club have agreed that the player can go at the right fee the player is happy with with dortmund potentially this is these are the things that are being reported so as it stands you know as we're recording now as you said Dortmund certainly looked the most likely option. And they do have that. Dortmund occupy a very unusual position in Austrian, um, in European football, sorry, at the moment. And it's that 
it, they're a very attractive club for for both fans and players. They play a lovely style of football. People love to watch them. Uh, they're a very well supported club. You know, it's a brilliant place. It's a very attractive place for anybody to go. But then at the same time, they are competing for trophies. They're playing Champions League football most of the time, but also they're just shielded. Just on that one level, they're shielded from the kind of pressure that you'd get certainly in the Premier League. At Bayern, the pressure's uh, a very high level as well, but perhaps even just with the way it works in Germany, even the pressure at Bayern would be a little less than the Premier League. So I think we were talking about pathways with Pats and Dakar. The Erling Haaland pathway is, is a, a brilliant example then for Karim Adeyemi to follow. And look what Haaland's move has done for his reputation. Um, he's just tearing it up at Dortmund. And I think... That's just another thing that that falls in in favour of the black and yellows. Yes, it will certainly be interesting to see where he ends up. Thank you very much to, to Tom Midler for his insight on Karim Adeyemi and to our other contributors as well for their insights on Jonathan David and Christopher Nkunku too. It does seem very much like Liverpool need to be making a move for an additional attacker to come in during the summer. It won't be Kylian Mbappe or Erling Haaland, but it might well be one of these three. That's all we've got time for, though, on the latest Blood Red podcast. Until next time. Goodbye for now. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.